open your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 through 16 is the practical section of the, the book of Romans. We see doctrine in the early chapters and then duty in the latter chapters. Belief in the early chapters and Paul's focus on behavior in the latter chapters. Exposition in the early chapters and exhortation, encouragement in the latter chapters. We see the creed in the early chapters and and now he focuses on conduct in the latter chapters. So in Romans chapter 12, he, he begins this practical section of, of Scripture, having laid down the foundational doctrinal truths. Paul's con- concerned about the character of this new community which Jesus brought into being, both Jew and Gentile, by the, the blood of the Lamb, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. With this in mind, read with me Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Underline that phrase, your reasonable service. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The title of my message this morning is found in that last phrase of verse number 1, your reasonable service. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to, to listen intentionally and stay with me today as we unpack these two verses because there is so much here just in verses 1 and 2. So do your best to, to listen intentionally. So would you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for the time of worship, the time of music, the time of praying. And now, Lord, we come to this part of the service where your word is preached. We pray, Father, that you would illuminate our minds, cause us to see exactly what the Holy Spirit is saying from this passage. Lord, we we thank you for your word. Thank you that we have a copy of the word of God. And, Lord, we get to hear preaching from, from this pulpit Sunday after Sunday. Lord, thank you for the great preaching that we hear week after week from Pastor Lemming and others who who preach here. Lord, we, we pray for Pastor and Mary as they're away from us, that, Lord, that you just might bring them back renewed, recharged. And, Lord, in the meantime, I pray, God, as we worship you today through reading and teaching and preaching the Word of God, that you would speak to us. Lord, Help us not to be conformed, but to be transformed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen 
and amen. First, our passage begins with an exhortation in verse number one. Underline in verse number one, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, notice, by the mercies of God. Take, take your pen. You know me. I'm a highlight kind of guy. I'm a circle your Bible kind of guy, mark your Bible kind of guy. Because if you mark your Bible, your Bible will mark you. Take, take your pen and circle the word, I beseech. What, what's Paul saying here? As I began to do a, an in-depth word study on this word, parakaleo, I noticed that it's translated different ways. And, and I, had, I have known that in the, in the past, but I didn't realize how forceful of a word when he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, parakaleo, it means to, to beg, to, to plead, to urge. And many times in the New Testament, this word is translated beg. Can, can you get into your mind this morning as this exhortation, this passage begins with Paul begging believers to serve God? Hold your place in Romans chapter 12. I, I want you to see this word, parakaleo. I want you to see how it's translated throughout your Bible. We'll, we'll just look at one place, but this will be enough. To keep your place in Romans chapter 12. Look back to Mark chapter 5. In Mark chapter 5, this word beseech or parakaleo is translated begged, not just one or two times, but numerous times. Look what it says. Go down to verse number, verse number eight. You, you know the story of the demonic man of Gadara. And the Bible says in verse eight, so he said to them, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Notice verse 10. Underline this. Mark this in your Bible. And he begged him earnestly. Same word. Parakaleo, translated beseeched in Romans chapter 12. He begged him earnestly to send them out of the country. Go, go, go down to verse number 12. Look at verse 12. So all the demons, notice parakaleo, begged him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. Same word that's translated I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Can you see the, the, the emphasis, the strength of this word? The demons were begging Jesus to send them into the herd of swine. Notice it's translated different. Look, look at verse 17. Verse 17. The Bible says in verse 17, then he began to plead with him. Same word, parakaleo. Plead with him urged him, begged him, beseeched him. Go down to verse number 18. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed, here it is again, underline it in your Bible, begged him 
that he might be with him. Same word, parakaleo. You say, but Tim, that's just one story. Let's stay in the same chapter. Look down to verse 22. Jarius's daughter in verse number 22. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jarius by name. And when he saw him, Jesus, he fell at his feet and, notice, underline it, begged him earnestly, saying, my daughter's at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her. Picture this daddy begging Jesus to come heal his daughter. Now, turn, turn back to Romans chapter 12. Same word. The Holy Spirit is begging you and I as brethren, based on the mercies of God, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's begging. Let me give you a, a, couple, of, a couple of facts. Maybe you want to jot these down in the margin of your, your Bible. Fact number one, only believers are qualified to serve God. Amen? You're not going to find an atheist, you know, out serving God. It's just not going to happen. Why? Because dead men cannot serve a living God. So, fact number one, only believers are qualified to serve God. Fact number two, look at it. Notice, jot it down. God wants all believers to serve him. In fact, in verses 4 through 8, in this very same chapter, Paul deals with the serving gifts in the local church. Not in the neighborhood, but in the local church. Go, go down to verse number 6. You're in chapter 12 of the book of Romans. God wants all believers to serve him. Look at verse number six. Having then gifts differing according to the grace. Notice, underline this. Given to us and rather radically, he says to them, circle this in your Bible, let us use them. I've given you gifts, now use them. He says, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion of your faith. Or ministry, underline it, circle it in your Bible. Notice, let us use it in our ministering or in our serving. So, God wants all believers to use their serving gifts. You've experienced the grace of God. The moment you were saved, God gave you a serving gift. Fact number three, jot this down. Fact number three. Unfortunately, not all believers serve God. And thus, Paul used the word para kaleo. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I beg you by the mercies of God. He, he's begging. He's pleading. He's urging. You know, it's, it's kind of hard for me to, to believe that Paul was actually begging people to serve God. 
you know, people who have experienced the mercies of God. If you've experienced the mercies of God, by the way, you can go back up the latter part of chapter 11 and just read yourself backwards through the book of Romans and you'll discover the mercies of God. And based on your experience with the mercies of God, God wants us to to serve him. Well, our passage begins with an exhortation. Second, our passage involves a presentation. He says in verse 1, I beseech you or beg you, therefore, brethren, believers, by the mercies of God. Notice, here's the presentation. Peristomy, he says that you present your bodies. How? A living sacrifice. Holy, pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Circle the word present and underline that phrase, present your bodies. It literally means to place at one's disposal. Present your body. By the way, Paul used this in Romans chapter 6, same terminology. Keep, keep your place in Romans chapter 12. Turn, turn back to Romans chapter 6. Paul used this same word, peristomy. Present your bodies. In Romans chapter 6, what, what, a, what a great, great chapter. He, he says in verse number 13, he, he's speaking to believers who had experienced the mercies of God. Here's what he says to them. And do not, here it is, present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Notice, here's the positive. But, peristomy, present yourselves to God. Make yourself available to God. To place yourself at his disposal. Circle those next words. As being what? What does he say? Look, look at the text. As being Alive from the dead. Only living people serve God. And if you've experienced the mercies of God and you're a living brother and sister in Christ, you ought to be serving God. Present yourselves to God. Amen? So we have an exhortation. Now we have a presentation. Now, this presentation of our body is described in four ways in, in verse, verse number one. And by the way, this, this really went over well with the Greeks. The Greeks were kind of like Baptist, hard-headed, stubborn. Look what he says. The presentation of our bodies is described in four ways. First, the presentation is described as a living sacrifice. Hmm. Did, did you know that sacrificial living is not a popular subject in Western mindset? 
living sacrifice. Oh, great, I get to be a living sacrifice. Yeah, a living, alive from the dead. This was a rather blunt statement to the Greeks. They would memorize soma, estin, which means platonic. It, it means the body is a tomb. And they taught that the body was, was evil. But there's one problem. These same Greeks had never been to Lewis Memorial and heard Pastor Lemming preach the series, Dear Paul. Right? Why? Because what have we learned when Pastor Lemming preached that series on Dear Paul? Here's what Paul says. And he uses this phrase repetitively. Or do you not know? And he asked that question. Do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. And you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are what? Which are God's. Wow, we've experienced the mercies of God. Now our body becomes a vehicle through which we serve God. And he tells us in this passage of Scripture that we're to present our body a living sacrifice. Let, let, me, let me ask you a question. Has, has there ever been a time in your life wherever, whenever you presented your body a living sacrifice, you put your body on the altar and you placed it at his disposal. When I was 18 years old, from, from age 13 all the way through high school, my parents made us ha have a job. We, we worked. Two weeks before I went to Temple, my parents said, okay, you can, you can finally quit, quit your job and pack your stuff and tie up all the loose ends. You, you know, you're going to college. I can remember as an 18-year-old teenager having two weeks of spare time. And I can remember taking my Bible, walking out of my parents' house at 792 Mohawk Drive, last house on the left, right next door to the Little League field. What a great place for a kid to live. Baseball. Oh, my. Hey, how about those Reds? I know they're in a hitting slump the last two games. But by the way, everybody loves baseball, right? I mean, it's, it's entrenched in the Bible. Did you know the first verse in all the Bible defends baseball? In the big inning. And if that's not baseball, I don't know what is. Doesn't say anything about football. Doesn't say anything about basketball. But it, it says something about baseball. I took my Bible and walked down Mohawk Drive. I saw the old post office there on Main Street, took a left, walked up past the old, you know, the old library. They have a new library now. Walked down Main Street, looked over to the left. Do you remember the old bridge that used to go across? I hated to ride my bicycle across that bridge. It was boards with about a two-inch gap. 
You need to ride your bicycle, plunk. Go to another, plunk. You know, it, it was an old wooden bridge. But if you went straight down Main Street or maybe Central Avenue and you went straight, straight to Route 60, do you remember the old bridge went straight across to Guyan River Road? How many of you folks remember that? Do you remember that? It was straight across. And I'd carry my Bible, walk down the, the side of the, the, the bridge there and walk down as the, I guess it would be the, the Mud River would intersect with the Guyan River that went into the Ohio River. And there, were, there was a place, you remember the Starlight Falls? How many falls you, people used to go to the Starlight Falls? Anybody here, hold up your hand if you've ever been to the Starlight Falls. You, the, you remember the old beer joint? There was a, a place in the middle of the river where there were rocks, and you could literally walk on the water. You could, there were just rocks. And I would go and lay down, sit down in the middle of, of the river and memorize passages of, of Scripture. I could remember memorizing 1 Peter 1, 12, 13, and 14, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind and hope to the end for the salvation and so forth, and be not fashioned by your former conversation. And then he said, be you holy, for I am holy. I can remember as an 18-year-old kid memorizing those verses laying in the middle of the river. I'd look down and I can see those guys noodling. Anybody here ever noodled? If you've, if you, you've noodled, you, you're crazy. These guys that noodle, they don't have any hands. But I can see Mr. Plobin down at the end pulling out huge catfish with his hand, fishing with their hand. But I remember laying in the middle of, on that rock in the, in the river and presenting my body, giving my life to God. The best I know, hell, God, I give you all of me there is to give. Here, here's my question. God wants a presentation, and he wants this presentation to be a living sacrifice. He wants you to dispose, present, place yourself at his disposal because it's your reasonable service. By the way, did, did you know that a living sacrifice can be painful? I began to think this week, Old Testament dead sacrifice. Where in the Bible does it speak of a living sacrifice? And I thought about Abraham and Isaac. Do you remember when he went to Mount Moriah and he was ready to give his only begotten son to God? And he raised his hand painfully the promise son. And God said to Abraham, fear God. You, you've, you've feared God. You've proven that you fear God. You've not withheld your only son. And God stopped him from offering his son as a living sacrifice. Think of the emotional pain. Think of all the anguish during those three days that he offered his son as a living sacrifice. Well, first, this presentation involves a sacrifice. 
Then he says this presentation of our body is described, look at it, circle it in your Bible, holy. You, you know, we, we've seen and heard so many definitions of this little Greek word hagios. And can I simplify it? When you're holy, you're set apart for God's usage. If you're a living sacrifice, you lay yourself on that altar, you belong to God. And that's what the word holy actually means. You belong to God. Now listen to me carefully. You don't belong to them. You belong to him. But I see too many people who name the name of Christ who act like they belong to them and they don't belong to him. Holiness is understanding that you belong to God. Can I tell you something? You don't have anything. Do you hear that awkward silence? Can you hear a pin drop? You don't own anything. Nothing is yours. Why? You belong to God. You were bought with a price. And as a living sacrifice, you lay yourself on the altar. You present yourself to God. God wants you to be holy. You belong to him. Look, look at the next word, number, number three. Third, this presentation of our bodies is described as acceptable. Maybe it could be translated a little bit clearer. Maybe your Bible translates it pleasing or well-pleasing. We need to present ourselves to God, and we need to be an acceptable offering. Our offering needs to please God. Can I illustrate this to you from the Bible? Hold your place in, in Romans chapter 12. Take, take, take a bookmarker and put it in Romans chapter 12. Turn to the last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. Anybody here ever read the book of Malachi? It's an Italian. No, I'm just kidding. Malachi. Malachi chapter 1. Look what Malachi has to say about the sacrifice of Israel. Was it well-pleasing to God? Malachi chapter 1, look, look, look at verse number 6. Malachi says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If I then am, notice definite article, if I am the father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts, to the priest who despise my name? Yet you say, well, in, in, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food, underline that, on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. Look at verse 8. Mark this in your Bible. 
In verse 8, he says, and when you offer the blind, notice, as a sacrifice. Would you underline these next four words? Is it not evil? You mean a blind sacrifice? God says, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Then offer it to your governor. See if he would be pleased with you. Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. Would you jot this down? Just, just jot it down. Did you know second best is not pleasing to God? But yet we give our lame and our blind and we give to God that which is second best. And Malachi says, is that not evil? Well, he's talking about a living sacrifice. And then he says, fourthly, this presentation of our bodies is described as your reasonable latreia or service. It could be also translated worship. Many times in the New Testament, many times in the Old Testament Hebrew, that word service could be translated worship. You remember the the, the same sermon, Moses, Moses only had one sermon. He was a good Baptist preacher. One sermon. You know what his sermon was? Let my people go that they may serve me or worship me. And he preached it 10 times to Pharaoh over and over and over and over and over again. He says, this is your reasonable service. Worship. Look, this draws an arrow back to the mercies of God. And everything we do as believers surrounds worship. If you and I don't understand the mercies of God, we will never present our body a living sacrifice and our service will never be acceptable or pleasing to God. We won't understand holiness that we belong to him. Everything I have is his. He says, this is your reasonable service or worship. When you understand the mercies of God, your worship Everything in the life of a believer depends on worship. You're not going to serve God unless you understand who he is. Would you jot this down in your, in your notes? When you get the who right, the do right will fall into place. When you get the who right... You understand the mercies of God. You understand who God is. You're not going to bring him an inferior offering. Who right? Do right. We, we talk so much about doing in the Christian life. If you don't get the who right, who God is, then we're not going to get the do right according to the scriptures. So, so our passage begins with an exhortation. It involves a presentation. But then thirdly, look at verse number two, 
our passage ends with transformation. He, he says in verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. But what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good. Here it is again. And well-pleasing or pleasing, acceptable, perfect will of God. Serving God, fulfilling God's will with my life. Giving him my life. Giving him my all. This is the will of God. But notice he says, I don't want you just to present your bodies. Present your brain by the renewing of your mind. Notice there's two B statements in verse number two. He, he says, do not be conformed to this world. That simply means don't be squeezed into the mold. Why? Because the world wants to shape you. When I pull this up on my logos, I'll, I'll have you know, concordance, and I'll have my lexicon on the left-hand side. I'll have the New King James translated. And then in the bottom right-hand corner, I'll have the NLT translation just, just for comparison's sake. Listen to what the NLT says. The NLT says, do not copy the behavior and the customs of the world. Don't get squeezed into their idealism, their ideas, their philosophical ways. Don't be squeezed. Why? Because you belong to God. Well, he tells us, be not conformed. Then number two, well, if, you're, if you don't be conformed, you, you need to be transformed. That's meta metamorphous, metafuo, and it's, it's translated transfiguration in the New Testament. You remember when Jesus was transfigurated before the disciples? Notice there's, there's two value systems listed in verse number two. And by the way, Carl Barth, I love how he says it. He says, and they violently oppose each other. And I say, amen. Yeah, two, two value systems. Look at the phrase in verse 2, this world, this world. And then the last phrase of verse number 2, the will of God. Did you know the world violently opposes the will of God? And Scripture, the Word of God, the will of God, the revelation of God will violently oppose the world. Why? Because they're two completely different value systems. Well, how, how do we do this, Tim? I mean, you, you bring this teaching and you, you preach this stuff. How, how do we do this? Well, that phrase, and do not be conformed to this world, it means continual renunciation. Listen to me. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Certain things going on in society, look, you ought to just know better. You ought to know better. 
You've placed your body as a living sacrifice based on the mercies of God. You know the who, so you're trying to do the do. Don't be conformed to this world. Continual renunciation. Look, just dedicate yourself not to get sucked in because that vacuum is ever pulling like gravity to suck us off that altar. The world does not want you to serve your God. They want you to serve their God. Continual renunciation. And then he says, but be transformed. Yeah, continual renunciation. Well, transformation is continual renewing. It, it has to do with the mind. It's where God, you know, you lay your body on the altar. Now you need to lay your brains on the altar. Continually renew your mind. That's why you need the Scriptures. You and I need the Word of God. You, you remember the story of the transformation. This is a, a beautiful, beautiful picture, this, this transfiguration of what it means to be transformed. You know, you have the Bible tells us that Jesus took Peter and James and John and his brother John and led them up to a, a mountain. And the Bible says he was transfigured before them. And the Scripture says, are you listening? When he was transformed, his face shone as the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. Think of it. As you and I are being continually renewed, continually renewed, our light is getting brighter and brighter and brighter. The world over here is screaming, conform, conform, conform. They had their hand on the dimmer switch. They want to turn your light off. Dimmer, darker, 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 darker. Something wrong when you're more comfortable in the darkness of the world and not in the metamorphosis or the transfiguration, the transformation of the light. I don't know about you. Can I tell you all a secret? Can I swear, swear you to secrecy? Don't tell anybody. But the longer I live in this world, I feel more and more out of place. I can remember after I was saved as a teenager, and God, God began that work of transformation, and I couldn't go, and I wouldn't go, and I didn't go with the way of the crowd. The older you get, that pull's still there. It's still pulling. Satan has his hand on the, the dimmer switch. He, he wants you in total darkness. But God wants to transform you by the renewing of your mind. Can, can I close with this? Can I show it to you in the Bible? You're, you're in Romans chapter 12 anyway. You, you like the Bible, don't you? Well, Look, he's talking about this renewing. He's talking about the mind. Look at verse number three. For I say, here he, is. he talks about this grace and mercy again. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, 
underline this, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And there's lies the problem. We think. We have to have our mind transformed. If we're not careful, look, we'll think like worldlings. And the world thinks everybody owes them something, right? And when you and I get in that condition and we think everybody owes us something, we're, we're in pretty bad shape. I, I want to read something to you that I keep in my, my office. And I just took it off my desk and it was laying there. It's a, a picture of my favorite preacher of yesterday gone by. If it was a picture of my favorite preacher today, it, it would be Pastor Lemming. But here's a, a picture of my favorite preacher of years gone by, Charles Spurgeon. L listen to what he says. This is laying on my desk. I read it often. He says, if a man, if a man thinks ill of you, don't be angry with him. For you're sure, for you, you are sure worse than you think he to be. Listen to it again. If any man thinks ill of you, do not be angry with him, for you are worse than he thinks you to be. He knows me. He knows me. Hey, and he knows you. Right? Exhortation. Paracleo, I beg you, presentation, present your body as a living sacrifice. Transformation, God will change you. Transform, continual renunciation, continual renewal of the mind. God's word, this is our reasonable service. Would you close with me in prayer?